Let me just explain this. Uh, these are best of. These are messages that people voted on back in June. And this was one of them that got a lot of votes. And uh, it, it really was just last fall. Actually, it was in November of the 9th of 08 when I first um, gave this message. And it was, I had put together, if you remember last fall, there was an election. And, uh, and things, you know, some of us just blocked that stuff out, you know. And, uh, and there was an there was a economic downturn, if you remember that. And I kind of, at the time, I said, we got to talk about this. I mean, because a lot of people then were really scared to death. A lot of you, um, rightfully so. And um, since that time, some of you are still dealing with it. And some of you are still trying to uh, recover losses. Some of you are trying just to get a job now. And uh, so when we talk about standing firm in a world of uncertainty, which is what this series was about, some things haven't changed a lot. I've changed, I've changed this message around a little bit. I have some different quotes for you and so forth. But it's still the same basic story of Joseph in the Old Testament, a study in optimistic perseverance. And uh, it's just a great historical narrative of this Old Testament character, Joseph, who's a guy, another time I've talked about Joseph, I, I like to say he's a guy that always landed on his feet. We all have known people like that. Maybe you're one. Uh, no matter what happens, you land on your feet. And uh, it's a good quality. And Joseph did that. I'm not, I'm gonna, certainly some of that could be reflected in his character and his personality and who he was. But most of that came in, who, in whom he trusted. That, of course, was God Almighty. So I want to show you this. You know, life is full of choices. It's amazing, isn't it? Life is full of choices, and, and, and yet for many of us, I mean, when you think about that, I mean, you, you, you think about life, so many things are impacted by those choices we make early. Like, where to go to school? Where to go to college? Um, who we marry, you know? I mean, you're like, what does they say? Youth is wasted on the young. I mean, it seems like so many times some of these, some of these life-changing decisions happen when we're least capable of making them in terms of wisdom. But, but we have to live with those choices. Um, however, some of the most impacting things that we have in our lives are things that we did not have a choice about. They're the consequences of someone else's bad choices and how they affect me. That might be a kid of your, your, one of your kids. That might be your mate. That might be your parents. That might be your, your business partner. That might be a close friend. Could be a number of different people. And you're stuck with the consequences of their bad choices. And you say, that's not fair. And whether it is or not, it's reality. So while life is full of choices, some of the life's most impacting Things are things, so some of life's most impactive, impacting uh, issues are things that other people have done, and I'm, I'm, I'm left to deal with that. So what I want to do is look at Joseph and see how he handled betrayal, because he was betrayed. Um, untimely tragedies for some might be another way, and might, that wasn't necessarily the case here, more betrayal. Um, it might just be the constant wear and tear of an unfulfilling relationship, whether it be marriage or whatever, and, 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 and finding a key to what fulfillment can be in, in, in that, even. And there's some messages here from Joseph for us on that. So we're going to see that. And I want to talk about this. I'm using this term, and I, I don't know if I originated it or not, but I like it. It's called optimistic perseverance. 
And uh, I want to just I want to make sure you understand what I mean by that because there are always going to be people in a crowd this size who are going to say I'm not a, I'm not an optimist. So this isn't me. I'm not I'm not that's not me. I'm not talking about a personality, okay? I'm not talking about a disposition. I'm talking about a world view. And when I talk about optimistic perseverance, um, it's how we view life. It's how we view the world. It's a person who looks to the future with hope, with optimism, believing that there's a bigger story being composed here. There's this redemptive thread that's going on here that is being drawn together by an almighty God. And, you see, and that's, that's really one of the key differences here what I'm going to talk about with some people as opposed to others. Either you're going to have that view or you're not. And you're going to end up in some pretty, some pretty bad places. If not, if not literally, uh, physically, at least literally. It, it's, you know, it's one of those things. So, so here we go. Here, here's the thing I want you to get. And I'm going to say this several times. God is always writing a story within your story in your life when you trust him. God is always writing a story within a story in your life when you trust him. And I want you to see that. And and you'll have some choices here. I want to begin with a quote from Voltaire. I didn't use this last time. And I just, this is just a powerful, powerful um, quote that he gives us, Voltaire. The longer we dwell on our misfortunes, the greater is their power to harm us. That's pretty pretty profound. Think about this for a moment. The longer we dwell on our misfortunes, the greater is their power to harm us. Some people want to dwell on their stuff that's happened. Several years ago, there used to be a bumper sticker out. I don't know if you remember it or not. And I got to clean it up. Um, Remember that? Stuff happens. (laughs) Stuff was another S word, but it wasn't stuff, if you know what I mean. Um, I mean, you said all the time, and, I, and there's two or three bumper stickers that I've always, I've never had the opportunity. I've always said if I ever pull into a 7-Eleven or whatever, and I have somebody with a bumper sticker like that, I'm going to ask, I'm like, why would you want to do that? Why do you want that on your car? We all know that happens. Do we want to dwell on it? Do we want to just sit here and think about it? Oh, yeah, that stuff, that stuff happens. Yeah, man, yeah, that happens. Do you want to dwell on that stuff? Why? I mean, there's enough in life that comes our way, well, I don't want, we don't need to sit and dwell on that. So, let's see, what, let's see, how, let's see how Joseph handled this. All right? I'm just going I'm I'm to abbreviate the story. Otherwise, if you want to read it for yourself, and I would encourage that, you'll go to Genesis chapter 37 and start there. Just think of Genesis 37. Just think of Genesis and then think of chapter 37. Think of my age. And... and and just go from there. That's my new thing. You know, just as long as it doesn't get into the whatever. Um, just go to Genesis chapter 37 and, um, and, and start there and read the whole story. It goes all the way through chapter 50. I'll just warn you that. But it's a great read. It really is. But here's what's going on. We got Joseph. We got 11 brothers. We don't know how many sisters because they didn't count them. Sorry, ladies. But that's just the, it was, it was a sexist culture then. No, no question. But he has, but he has 11 brothers. And um, he is not the youngest, but almost the youngest. So obviously in that culture, this, the, the oldest brother has supposedly all the, all the rights and privileges and so forth. But he is a favorite of his dad, Joseph is. Um, in fact, he even got him a, even get, you, know, you know the song? Uh, or the, or the, you know, the, the coat of many colors? Dolly Parton song. 
The people in the last service didn't know that because they don't listen to country music. You obviously are more enlightened than the people in the last service, and you've listened to some country music in your life. And the Dolly Parton song, uh, A Coat of Many Colors, it's just great. Anyway, that's, who jo- that's the story of Joseph. He had, he had a coat of many colors. He was a favorite of, da- of dad's. Now, I don't know for sure because the Bible isn't clear, but I have a feeling he flaunted that a little bit. Um, I was a younger brother, and I know, how, I know what you can do sometimes when you've got something that the older one doesn't have. And so, and maybe he wasn't like me, but, but here's what, here, let me show you an example. Um, in chapter 37, one night Joseph had a dream. Now, these dreams are from God. And he, reportedly the, he reported the details to his brothers, causing them to hate him even more. The dream was basically that he was going to be ruling over them someday. So, I mean, and he goes to him and says, hey, guys, I had a dream last night. Yeah, yeah. Get ready to bow down, baby. Get ready. Get ready. I'm, gonna, I'm going to power, you know. And it's like, I don't know if it was like that. I don't know if it was more of a, hey, guys, I don't know what this means. I, don't, I have a feeling there's a little, you know, a little, little, little brother-esque stuff going on in there. Whatever it was, it did not deserve what happens. They get upset with him. They uh, take his coat, tear it up, because they're jealous of the, the coat of many colors. And, and they throw him in a well, in a pit. Now, here's what happens. His older brother all of a sudden has this epiphany almost. Not literally, but he, he, here's what happens. In Genesis 37, verse 36, uh, verse 30, 26, Judah, Judah, that's the older brother, said to the others, what can we gain by killing our brother? This always amazes me. That would just give us a guilty conscience. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter that it's wrong. What, we don't want to kill him because they'd give us a guilty conscience. It's not like, guys, now this would be the wrong thing to do to kill our brother. It's like, you know, what can we gain? We'll have a guilty conscience. I got an idea. Let's just sell him into slavery instead. Isn't that better? Look, it's what he says. Let's sell Joseph to those Ishmaelite traders. Let's not be responsible for his death. After all, he is our brother. The reasoning here has got, you know, something's going on. This guy's got bipolar or something. And his brothers agreed. Verse 28, then so when the traders came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And the Ishmaelite traders took him along into Egypt. So whatever he did, if he did anything, Joseph didn't deserve this kind of treatment. I think we all can agree on that. Sell him into slavery. I mean, granted, it was more common then than it might be today, at least in most countries. But still, this was pretty serious stuff. Well, he is bought by a guy named Potiphar, who, for lack of a better phrase, was basically a, on the cabinet of the, of the Pharaoh, like a cabinet official, we would call it, of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, most powerful country in the world at that time. And, um, and Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of his home. Look what happens. From the day Joseph was put in charge, the Lord began to bless Potiphar for Joseph's sake. It's interesting. All his household affairs began to run smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Joseph, he is rocking. He's doing great. Great stuff is going on. He sold into slavery. He's bought by this administrative official, high, high in political office, and all of a sudden he's just he's doing great. You know, he's the most entrusted person in this guy's home, Potiphar's home. Well, Potiphar had a wife. She is what one would call, I am told, a, a cougar today. Okay, <laughs> so older woman going after younger guy. Okay. I don't know why, where that comes from, but that's, that, I'm, 
listen to you know people who keep me culturally relevant. Um, verse, so here's what happens. Verse 7, about this time, Potiphar's wife began to desire him and invited him to sleep with her. Uh, we would call that an adulterer, okay, but anyway. Uh, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in this entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I ever do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin, not just against him, but against God. That's really important. Against God, not just him. Well, next verse, verse 10, she kept putting pressure on him day after day. He refused to sleep with her, and he kept, he kept out of her way as much as possible. This is a young man of character. One day, however, no one else was around when he was doing his work inside the house. She came, grabbed him by his shirt, demanding sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but as he did, his shirt came off. He was left holding it. Excuse me. She was left holding it as he ran from the house. And you know what happens from here point, this point probably. She accuses him of trying to harass or rape or whatever the word might be. She accuses him of this. She says, see, I have his shirt to prove it. Potiphar comes home, says, you're in deep trouble. Um, now, I, I got to tell you, some scholars believe that Potiphar never really believed his wife. Uh, some, some, some Old Testament scholars say that had he believed her totally, that Joseph would have been put to death immediately, which makes sense in that culture. I mean, that, that would definitely be a, 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 a capital offense in their culture. I don't know. But what happened was that, that Potiphar put him in jail anyway. So he puts him in jail. So here he is again. Now, this whole process is going on. Since the time he was sold into slavery, we're, we're now probably 15 years into this since that happened. Something like that, circa 15 years, right? So Joseph then goes to the prison. He ends up meeting three former Pharaoh cabinet officers who have been found great disfavor with Pharaoh, and now they are in prison. They each have dreams. He interprets their dreams. He interprets their, That's a gift that he has from God. And in the Old Testament, that was one of the ways God spoke to people. And uh, be careful with that today, okay? Because it, it, people say, well, I had a dream. I know it came from God. I say, what did you have to eat last night, okay? Um, just be careful with that. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I've never, it's never happened to me. And, uh, but, but anyway, in those days, that was one of the ways that God did speak to people. I have no problem with that understanding from the Old Testament. So he interprets their dreams correctly, uh, and, and two of them die. One of them lives. One of them goes back to be a Pharaoh official, and the Pharaoh has a dream. And he says, I, wanna, I want somebody to interpret my dream. And this guy says, I got a guy for you. He's in jail. His name's Joseph. And he's like, great. So he brings Joseph up. He properly... He properly interprets Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh is so impressed with the young man who's not all that young at this point in time. He's probably, uh, let's see, 16, you know, probably pushing 40. Um, Not that that's not young, okay? Let's deal with relative facts here, okay? But anyway, he's probably pushing 40 at this point. And he says, okay, Joseph, you interpreted my dream correctly. I'm going to make, I'm going to give you the, you're my VP. You're my guy. The dream was about having famine in the land and, and, and all the other kind of stuff. So Joseph becomes, in about 20 years from the time he sold into slavery, he becomes the second most, second most powerful official in the most powerful country in the world at that time, Egypt. They have, they have a famine. They have a famine and they have um, no food for anybody. Everybody has to come, quote unquote, to the capital city to get food. Guess who has to come begging for food? 
the brothers, all 11 of them, and their uh, entourage, they come. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. I don't know why. It's been 20 years. Maybe he put on a few pounds. Maybe it's because he has all the Pharaoh garb on. I don't know, but they come, they come, he recognizes them. There are some gyrations that go through, and he makes sure who, you know, he makes sure to make sure that their, their motivations are strictly for food. And so finally, one day, chapter 45, he says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. I want to see a movie made about this. Because don't you just know the look on their face when he says, I'm your brother Joseph. Takes off his Superman glasses, you know, says, you know, see? And you can just see them going, we're dead. <laughs> or, or probably it was like, it was his idea. You know, you know brothers, it was his idea, you know. I, I don't know what the scene was there. I, it had to be dramatic. It had to be. But watch Joseph's attitude. This is phenomenal. He says, Verse, verse, verse 5, now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Watch, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been here in the land these past years, these, these two years. There are still five years in which we will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent you before, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it is not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his household and ruler over all, his, all the land of Egypt. He says, you know, he keeps saying, he's going to say something more in a minute. He keeps saying, it's not you. God sent me here. God sent me here. That doesn't give them a free pass. What they did was wrong. But Joseph's view is, you know, bad motivations, good motivations, good stuff, bad. I'm where God wants me to be. And what you need to see on that, and, and, and listen, and actually Clay's going to address this while I'm gone. He's going to speak the next three Sundays, and next Sunday he's going to talk about why bad things happen to good people. And, and let me give you real quick the dumbed-down version of that. He'll give you the smart version of that next week. Uh, the dumbed-down version of that, they're both true. I'm just giving you the, 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 real, the real simple. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. It was a perfect world. God created a perfect world. We screwed it up. He did and that's why we have sickness and disease and people who hurt each other and betray each other and lie to each other and, and abuse each other because it's a broken world because we, we infected it. We people through Adam infected it. So, so, so Joseph's looking beyond all the, the bad motivations and the bad things they did. And he's just saying, listen, God, in spite of your sin and your selling me into slavery, for goodness sakes, God went ahead of you. And got me here for, the, for his purposes. He, one more verse. Genesis, a significant verse, 50, 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it. That's a huge verse. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present rule to preserve many people alive. That's a huge verse right there. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. I don't know if you've ever thought like that or not, but you've you got to think like that. You know, what you did was wrong, and whatever the consequences are, you're going to have to deal with them. But God meant it for good. 
Listen, optimistic perseverance is believing that Almighty God is always involved in your life using everything that happens. He doesn't cause it, but using everything that happens to create a redemptive story when you're willing to trust God with your life. God is always writing a story within a story in your life when you trust him. Let me show you this real quick. Um, optimistic perseverance is when we don't blame. So many times we say, well, it's, it, I'm, I'm in my position because I married a jerk and now I'm in this situation. And maybe that's true. But that doesn't change that you still have the situation that you have. How are you going to view it? I'm in this situation because somebody, somebody took my money and they screwed me over. And that's true for some here. And that was wrong. And there's all th- kinds of things we could say about those kinds of people. But now what are you going to do with that? You're going to stay bitter the rest of your life? This isn't just about forgiveness. That comes, that's the first message I deal with when I come back. This is more about trusting God with the injustices and the inequities and, and the people who just mess you over. Trusting God with that. Forgiveness needs to come. That's a different story. Right now, just trust God. Opt- optimistic perseverance is when we don't blame. It's not may not be my fault. It may not be your fault. It may not be anybody's fault, but it may. We don't blame. Optimistic perseverance is when we see God at work. You know, here's the thing. God can overrule people's attitudes. And this is another example. God, you know, bad attitudes, impure motives... This, is, this doesn't need to be your greatest concern about people. Is it a concern? Sure it is. But it's not your greatest concern. Because there is a God in heaven, just like there was with Joseph, who's there to say, can filter this. They meant it for evil, but I'm going to use it for good because I'm God and I can do that. He's that, he's that, he's that powerful. You just can't miss that. Optimistic perseverance is when we perseveringly, key phrase, key word, perseveringly trust an almighty God. Listen, I don't know that I could, I mean, I, I, taught, I taught through this passage when I was a young pastor, my 20s. But I don't know, I'm sure, I don't, it's not, I don't know. I know that even then I didn't realize, you know, I mean, you know, when you're in your 20s and some of you are in your 20s and enjoy it, Okay. Um, just enjoy it. You know, enjoy your bliss. Um, you're na- being naive. It's okay. Just kind of get you know. But you you live a little. You live a few years, and you see stuff happen. And you see stuff happen to people, and you see people who 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 don't have this worldview. They don't trust God, and when they become bitter, they they become just this 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 terrible individual. Just to themselves, let alone everybody else. Sometimes you can see their attitude enter 10 feet in front of them. Sometimes they hide it better than that. But, but the issue is, it's a real simple question. It's not always a simple thing to do, but it's a real simple question. You've got to trust God with that. You've got to carry that around. And I can tell you just from people that I've seen and what I've experienced... You know, sometimes you kind of enjoy carrying it around and having those grudges, you know, and being all ticked off. And every time I think of them, they burn in the deepest part of wherever, you know. 
I mean, I mean, sometimes you kind of enjoy that for a little while. But after a while, it starts working on you. It starts changing you. It starts making you into a person that, that you weren't created to be. That's one of the reasons that Jesus came, to give us access to Almighty God, to give us an ability. He even has to give us the ability to trust Him. And, and, and part of having a relationship with Christ is saying, God, I need help. I, need, I don't have inside of me the ability myself to totally trust you with this. Help me to have that. Help me to have that trust. And, and, and he'll, he'll give us that as we, as we ask for it. That's, you know, that's either our choice or we sit there and we just you know, revel in it. And that's, gonna, that's got bad consequences every time. Emerson said this. Uh, this is just so great. I just love this. It's not Bible, but it reflects biblical truth. All I have seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all I have not seen. Now just think about that. All I have seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all I have not seen. For what I've seen God do, I'm able better to say, you know what, I don't know about this, but God, I can trust you because you're trustworthy. God is always writing a story within a story in your life when you trust him. Last time I did this, I showed you a picture of a tattoo that my friend has. He's got it right here. It's uh, LXX, right? I got that right? Give me a big shake of the head. Yes, okay. LXX, which is uh, 5020, for those of you who don't do Roman numerals. And he had that literally tattooed. He's here. You can go look at it. I'll show you where he is. He literally had that tattooed. Uh, on his, uh, you know, I know a lot of you have tattoos. I don't get the tattoos. I still don't understand tattoos, but hey, some of you don't understand golf balls either, but that's another story. <laughs> you know, so we all have our own thing. Um, but he, wa- he didn't want to forget this verse, fifty twenty. I showed you the tattoo last time, if you remember, if you were here. I was um, chastised by a few of you saying, thanks, Rich. Now my kid just said, see, the pastor said we can have a tattoo. So I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to show you the tattoo, okay? Uh, I will say this. Do whatever you got to do to remember this truth. Do whatever you got to do. I mean, it, it, remember, 50-20. Remember, I mean, it, really, the, the, the verse, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it. Just remember, but God meant it for good. You can, you're smart people. You can remember that. But God meant it for good. That's all you need right here. But God meant it for good. That needs, that needs to be just etched in your memory, in your brain, so that when those opportunities come along later today or tomorrow or later this week, those opportunities come along for you to get bitter and for you to start saying, ah, oh, you, you, know, you know, all the other stuff that you want to say and think, when those opportunities there, you say, wait, 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 wait. Genesis fifty twenty, God meant it for good. Hang on to that thought. I- I'm telling you, that will change lives. As you trust God for the ability to do that. Let's pray together. Lord God, these are, these are just such valuable truths. They're just so important. And I know that. I know, Lord, you know that. I just pray that you'd impress upon each of our hearts and each of our minds right now just how important these, these, these truths really are. How we view the world 
through a, through a perspective of an almighty God is so vital. We thank you that we have that ability through our Lord, Jesus Christ, who came not only to forgive us for our sins, but to give us the ability to trust an almighty God. We thank you for that. We thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.